Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I am your host, Damon Pastolka, and with me today, I have none other than Darcy Eichenberg, and we are going to be talking about enhancing employee retention. Darcy, thanks for being here today. Oh, Damon, I mean, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, I'm excited about this because, wow, the challenges that people are having hiring, uh, recruiting, hiring and retaining employees right now. This is a hot topic in many areas for sure. Yeah, super hot topic. Even with, you know, in the news, there's so much around some of the big tech companies doing layoffs and there's all this worry and and the, the economic questions. This is still happening. People are still yes. moving on. People are still leaving and uh, and leaders are left with holes and don't know what to do. So it's still a great time to really focus on engagement, retention and, you know, what you need for your business. Yes. Yeah. It, it, and it doesn't matter what kind of business it is. You know, if you lose a key person, it's a big deal. And, mm -hmm. and that's that's really what what we this addresses. So. As we do, Darcy, let's see, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got where you're working on what you're doing today. Yeah, well, so my professional background was I was in a large HR consulting firm, global firm for 15 years, worked my way up from person behind the scenes to being a partner who was out in front of big deals. And I, every three years, I had the great opportunity to have a new assignment or a new team, or I moved locations. And so I had growth without even thinking about it, without even questioning it or looking for it. And then I got to the point where the next step up was a question mark for me, was and, and it all came to a head one night at a in a cold McDonald's parking lot. I'll never forget this. Uh, it was before we had Bluetooth and we could do a lot of hands-free calling. Yeah. But my boss, who was in the Chicago area, I was flying from Atlanta to a meeting in the Chicago area. She wanted to talk to me before this meeting. And that was not a usual thing for her. So oh. I got the message after I got to the O'Hare Airport. And so I got in my rental car, I pulled over into a cold McDonald's parking lot because I needed to like take the call, you know, catch her on the phone. And she told me she was going to retire. And in the next breath, she told me one of my peers, the one who was already located at headquarters was getting that job. And then I realized what was I feeling? I was feeling relief. I was realizing that decision now was just made for me. And I realized I wasn't striving for that job anyway. And then in the next second, I said, if I don't want that job, what do I want to do next? And that really started my journey on just 
trying to figure that out. And it involved finding and hiring a professional coach. And this is 15, almost, probably almost 20 years ago when not everybody was a coach and you didn't really know what that was. Yeah. But what I, what evolved in that was recognizing where my true superpowers and strengths were. And it really was in, I, I could be the person in the front of the room selling the big deal, closing the business, but I was better at helping the teams and the leaders together figure out how they can go and do it. And so that led into coaching and, and leadership development and it's work that has evolved to this day. Awesome. Awesome. So what, do, what do you think you liked most about the consulting work that you were able to do before you moved into this? Oh, well, there's no question. It's always, it was always the people, right? Uh -huh. it, the, the people that I worked with, uh, both my colleagues and my clients uh, still are make up some of my core network and friends today. Very cool. It was a very collaborative uh, company. It was uh, very high performing. So mm -hmm. these were these are smart people, and I didn't realize till I left, like how yeah. the whole world isn't like that. Yeah. So it was actually it was actually a surprise to me, and like not everybody knows that you should do this, or here's how these things work. Mm -hmm. So I learned so much so fast. I had so much great support from our leadership. And even when I decided that I wanted to explore the world of professional coaching, I was able to create, actually to entrepreneur, a coaching program inside my part of the business um, for our team to be able to experiment with some skills and ideas that I wanted to grow mm -hmm. and benefit the company. So I was given uh, the space and the grace to be able to do that. And it helped me see really where I wanted to spend more time going forward. Wow, that was cool. So you're able to, to kind of like try before you buy a little bit yeah. as you're building out some before things. You yeah. I, you know, I earned that reputation. I always say to people, don't discount, uh, you know, when people give opportunities, you know, don't say, oh, well, you know, they just gave it to me. I earned it. I, yeah. did well, great yeah. work. I had great results, uh, but still it was always the people. And I think that's still true for me today in the work I do now. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're, as you're helping leaders today, figure out, you know, really the the things they need to be themselves working on to to uh, enhance the retention. What are some of the common, or I don't even like to say challenges, but the common things that you see that people are that are happening in these these organizations that and leaders don't even realize. Yeah. Well, I think that. One of the things that often gets overlooked is, are we actually clear about what people what people are feeling, what they're saying, what they're doing? And even, am I actually clear about myself as a leader, what I'm doing, how this aligns with my values, where I'm spending time? So this is why I have a formula called the stay strategies and clarity is one of the first anchors in that because too often I hear leaders making assumptions. You know, we go to the extreme Oh, all people in this role do this kind of thing. 
And we don't live in that world where it's one size fits all anymore. Mm -hmm. Leadership is hand-to-hand combat in some ways these days. Um, There are lots of unique issues. There are lots of different Mm -hmm. needs. And spending the time, investing the time with your people to get clear about what's important for them. And even I'd say to start understanding what's important for you for the business that you want to run, the way that you want to be in the business. And often just even focusing on that, taking the time that you know who you are and what you want right now can be incredibly powerful to be able to build yourself as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's step back. I got, I jumped ahead a little bit, but let's step back because you, you wrote the book Red Cape Rescue. And and I think this is really relevant to, because this was around individuals and some other things talk about that a little bit, because I want to build, build upon where we're going with developing leaders and helping them enhance retention. Yeah. So the full name of the book is Red Cape Rescue, Save Your Career Without Leaving Your Job. And it's intended as a handbook for those times that we all have when you hit a speed bump at work, right? When something happens that, you know, is the the catalyst moment. I think it's the book I wish I had in that cold McDonald's parking lot. You know, when your head is going to and all the noise outside is saying, well, if it's not here, then I have to go out somewhere else. Like, oh, this is bad right now. I have to run. And that actually there's brain science why we react like that. We, you know, the brain wants to keep us safe. So mm-hmm. either freeze or flee or we fight. But mm-hmm. most Tendency, most of our tendencies is to freeze or flee. And I think this is what we saw during the huge disruptions during COVID of people going through mountains of change and just and something wasn't right for them in their life at work and saying, let me go to this other option. But I've had many conversations with folks who have done that and are saying, you know what, the same issues that I was struggling with back there are issues I'm having here. So the book really is intended for you to be put you back in control. And you mentioned it's for individuals. I always remember leaders are individuals too, right? Leaders have issues in their careers and uh, business owners, uh, entrepreneurs. uh, And, you know, we all have those times where we have those hiccups, but the the book is organized by the three things that you control. You control what you think, what you say, and what you do, and that's it, but it's enough, and each of those three things, I give you some specific strategies mm-hmm. where you can you know, look harder at what you think, you can revise what you say, or you can rethink what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good because I think now, as you said, we were talking earlier about most of your work now is really helping leaders in these organizations work on a themselves and b the organizations to to enhance retention. So I'm thinking about the book, and I'm thinking about what you're talking about. 
I have to imagine that the leaders almost, if they're, if they should be reading the red Cape rescue, because a lot of the things that they're thinking about, they might be seeing people that are not, that are maybe not perfectly, you know, they're not happy at work, whatever. They're just not clicking for them that they might be able to help facilitate things for their people as well. We are never taught what we control and what we don't, you know, yeah. we're taught and we're fed uh, a media diet, if you will, that is like work is hard, you know, times are tough. We were, and, and there's reasons behind that. And also mm -hmm. get, to how the brain reacts, right? The, you know, the brain is receptive to those negative messages um, and just wants to like shrink and hide and stay safe. But that's not how people are built to grow and it's not fulfilling and uh, create opportunities for people to bring what they do best to any workplace. So if a leader can recognize some of these strategies that I talk about, they can turn around and teach them. They can recognize for themselves where mm -hmm. they might be, uh, where they might need to employ some of those strategies. They're thinking something they don't have control over something, or they think they they're frustrated because they don't control so many things instead of breaking down. Well, what's the one thing I control in here? Could I control asking for what I need, you know, being more specific with the ask. Yeah. Uh, could I control uh, assuming positive intent is a chapter? Do I need to literally change my thinking about what that circumstance or situation actually means? So, yes. So these are tools for leaders. And it's part of when we do some leadership roundtables or uh, cohorts within organizations to be able to dig into that and dig into what for someone personally uh, they might, you know, have their own blind spot or roadblock on. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you like most about helping people develop, developing people, helping them develop themselves? And I, I guess that's a great question. I guess the part that is always satisfying and exciting for me is when the spark of possibility comes out, the recognition of something that is in someone's control. Uh, and it was surprising. Years ago, I did a series of uh, manager groups across a very large technology company. And these were very, um, they were called managers, but they were pretty high level people that maybe had teams of 50 or 60 who were reporting to them, uh, to each mm -hmm. person group. And inevitably, we do some hot seat coaching in that group where one or two people would take a turn and share an issue that they were dealing with. And the group would weigh in and you know, I would uh, kind of coach them through. And inevitably, as we come to action, which is the other thing about the way that I like to coach, we always come to what's the action, right? What are we going to, what are we, what choice are we making now uh, to move us forward? Inevitably, a lot of the conversations would end with, I need to tell my manager this. I need to I need to have the conversation with my leader. I need to have the conversation with my teammate. So those things seem so simple when you think about it, but you think about how much we swirl and we don't see the possibility of, oh, I, I can actually talk to that person about this, or I can ask for that, or, uh, you know, whatever. So when that spark of possibility happens, 
that um, I do my little happy dance. So yeah, that always, that always. There you go. So did you see yourself doing this 20 years ago? Oh, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I seem probably to most people like a lifer in my consulting firm. Yeah. And um, probably if we hadn't been to the, you know, if, if there had been the next opportunity or something that just was, you know, handed to me, like most things had been handed to me in my mm-hmm. more junior years. Um, you know, that I might have, you know, I might have continued on and not, but I'm really grateful that I had that, that catalyst moment, that time in the cold McDonald's parking lot. Um, And I think we all need, you know, a catalyst moment sometimes. And part of one of the things we do in coaching and leadership development is, is to intentionally create those to just take that step back um, and just say, Hey, is what I'm doing still working for me? Is my work still working? If is it aligned with who I am and what I want now? And if it's not, where do I need to recalibrate or adjust? It doesn't have to be a wholesale. I need to mm-hmm. sell farm and move, you know, overseas. Yeah. But it can just be little incremental changes that keep us from burning out. So, you no, know, 20 years ago, I was, you know, uh deep dive into my leadership roles and focusing on my clients and my teams and uh, probably not making a lot of time to think about myself and what I wanted. Yes. I think when, I think there's a lot of that that happens when we're at that point is, is we're so focused in what we're doing that we don't think about as leaders. We don't think enough about ourselves and what really you get so wrapped up in the work that you forget that, that you're part of it that Mm -hmm. has to be just as healthy and just as whole as the work you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's more magnified now as we're talking about things like wellness and mental health. But the, the truth is that, you know, leading doesn't just mean leading process. I mean, it means leading people. And that means that even if you think that, well, you know, my team's not really tracking with me or they're not that I inherited a team. They're not really my team. When you're at a leader level, people do look at you differently. They expect different things from you. I, I remember this example in my own career when I moved from being, you know, it was just a good senior consultant to leading the entire practice for the region. And I thought, well, I'm just darks, right? I'm just, I'm the same person I've always been. But I recognize that if I would say something, it had a different impact. And I have I, I have one story that always sticks with me. I was printing something out and I made a comment and it was in a public shared space, made a comment that said, I don't understand why this printer is not two-sided. This just seems super wasteful. And I walked away, never thought about it again. A week later, one of the administrative assistants who was in the pool area where I went to the printer came back and said, here's the, here's the proposal and the costs on the two-sided printer. And I said, what is this? She's like, you, you said we needed to have a two-sided printer. I said, I'm just, I'm just talking. I didn't expect someone to go into action and then go and talk to a vendor and, and, and spend hours working on a proposal. So that, you know, it was a, it was a way to magnify for me that as a leader, you may not see yourself differently, but people do. 
Yes. Yes. And like you said, as you were, and I know a lot of people I did as well, you know, move from that more of I'm, I'm in doing the work to now I'm leading the people that I was working with before some I was working before some are new. I mean, I can remember similar situations where I was saying something, just really thinking, talking to myself, walking and it's, and it was heard and it's like, Whoa, <laughs> you know, you really have to learn as a leader to, to, um, and I was reading something yesterday about this is, is really develop a role model, almost kind of, um, mentality as you're walking around because it's it's not an, an offhanded curse word here or there or something that you're saying you know it's just really everything is is under under scrutiny because of that leadership responsibility yeah and the only way you can do that it is humanly impossible to self-manage all the time if we haven't taken time a regular period to stop and kind of back up a little bit and be able to have some external help to see our blind spots or just even to have that self-reflection time to say, mm -hmm. where are the places where I feel like I'm just slightly out of tune, you know, that I need to like, you know, the old fashioned radio, I need to move the dial a little bit this way or a little bit that way mm -hmm. to get more sharper into tune. And uh, Michael Hyatt, uh, the author tells a, a story about in the early days, he was in a meeting with his team and his executive coach was sitting there. And afterwards she said, well, so how'd you think the meeting went? He's like, it was great. Everything's terrific. And, and she's like, well, you need to tell your face that because he was, you know, he never smiled. He was, you know, all business and the people in the room got the vibe that they, you know, they were in fear. They were feeling like everything's a problem. Whereas he was feeling like, I'm really proud of this team. This is terrific. So our leadership self is just as important to manage as the people that we're responsible for. Yes, yes, yes. I laugh because I I used to have many years ago I had a business partner that really was a was a high level thinker and didn't didn't really care well he cared about the business and how it ran, but we would have fairly important internal meetings and you, you, he might doze off in the corner if he felt like it. And the people always thought that same thing is like, well, what is, he's like, no, it's you, you guys are doing awesome. It's, it's, it's just, I feel that comfortable. Yeah. And you know, but just think of the example it's set and how much, how yeah. much you get to deal with that. But and the story that people create out of that, right. This is one of the chapters in the book. It's called rewrite the story because often, you know, we, there's a, you know, we all are experiencing circumstances. The circumstance, we have choices about how we interpret it. So interpreting my boss is falling asleep in the corner could be, you know, he's checked out, he's a jerk, he's rude. It could be, he doesn't care. could be, I'm boring. I mean, there's a million stories. Mm -hmm. So this is where creating more connection, more dialogue to be able to kind of unpack and rewrite or Maybe you'll never know what the other person is thinking or assuming, but can you make a different choice for yourself? Say, well, that yeah. doesn't mean I'm boring. That's just, that's his, that's his challenge. It's, you yeah. know, so yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So as you're doing this, what, what are some of the common things that, that you see across the board that, that really 
leaders have not been taught or just don't understand. Mm -hmm. You talked about clarity already, but. Right, right. One big thing that none of us have been taught is understanding how the brain works naturally. And the neuroscience on this is just fascinating, but just to keep it simple, uh, and I referred to this before, it's recognizing we only control three things, what we think, what we say, and what we do. But the fact is we can have some control over our thoughts. You know, we can be intentional about what we mm -hmm. say. And we can make active choices about what we do. Um, I will often say that work is all made up. And because the truth is that the same job in a company can look very different uh, from person to person. And that's often because of how it's made up and how the person is making it up based on what they're good at, what they're interested in, um, who has taught them, who, you know, what the surroundings are. And so I think for leaders recognizing that, you know, first of all, you know, everybody doesn't recognize that there are only a lane of things they control, um, but they do control more than they give themselves credit for in the workplace. Yeah. We think, well, that's just how it is. But if everything's made up and somebody had to make up that project you're doing, why would you, you know, why would you assume it has to be done that way? Uh, I think the other piece with the brain that I wish we were teaching in school is that we're, the brain is not naturally designed to be happy all the time. It is natural to have downtimes and concerns. Mm -hmm. um, ideally, we want this balanced by times when we're feeling fulfilled and you know happy and doing well. But I think what happens a lot of times is when problems hit, let's face it, problems are the language of jobs, right? You don't have, there's mm -hmm. not a job if there's not a problem to be solved. Yes. Um, but when problems hit or things get difficult, if we don't have the right culture, we don't have the right uh, surround, then, you know, we, 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 we freeze. We think something's wrong. We, it triggers our brains that we want to go hide. And that's the last thing that we need for people. Um, and so, again, there are some cultures or some leaders that are great at helping people recognize that problems, road bumps, um, things not going according to plan is that's that's our world. That's why we have jobs. You know, we create solutions to problems. And um, and but I don't think we. we we often think about it that way. We think, oh, just one more problem, one more problem, instead of great job security, more problems to solve. Mm -hmm. I really like that because you said it was either work, art, work is problems, or there. That's why we work is to solve problems. And and yeah, people, <laughs> people, it's, you can come apart pretty easy when there are extraordinary problems, and you can embrace them as well. Yeah, and well, yeah. And for anybody who has been affected by downsizing or layoffs, you know, one of the things I'll often say to folks who are looking for that next opportunity is every 
every open job is a problem to be solved. And there are problems and pain out there that no one's created a job around yet. And so when you go, instead of looking for a job, go hunting for the problems, go hunting for the pain. Ooh. This is even as you're selling, if you're a company and you're trying to find new customers, like who whose pain do you solve? If you can't tell that story or you're not clear on that, then that's a clarity issue, right? That's mm -hmm. going back to the, to the groundwork. Um, but people, the, you know, people want solutions to pain. People, what's the old marketing phrase? Uh, they want aspirin, not vitamins. But, yeah. you know, it, it, this is also, again, responding to how the brain works. The brain, uh, the brain responds trying to stay away out of pain, out of discomfort. Those of us who know that discomfort is the only path to growth are the ones who can succeed. And so that's another learning point for folks that, it's okay to be uncomfortable. That's the only way you get from here to there. Discomfort is the path for growth. That's good. Well, yeah, you think about it as a leader, some of the most challenging situations that you're put in, if you take them, reflect on them, learn from them, it can be so helpful for you because and, and, and I'll paraphrase this too, or like example, because you see some people that have been through it, right? They've been through it. The firefighter that's been on the job for 10 years, he goes to the house fire and it's like, oh yeah, it's burning down. We're going to do this and this. And the, the person that just started, oh my goodness, there's a house fire. What are we going to do? Right. And, and that in a leader's uh, capacity can mean huge things for their team because that leader can take that calm that that thought yes they might have had a really tough time in the first time this happened but when something like that happens again they can utilize that to be much more productive with themselves and their teams yeah and this also goes to knowing who you are as a leader because i think that when we have the anchor of the clarity and when i work on this with with my coaching clients or have an online class called get career clear that takes you through this process. Nice. Uh, the things that you discover, you, you anchor into your values and your long-term vision. And those things allow you to have a framework to make choices from, right? Because the person mm -hmm. who values collaboration, no matter how, what kind of problem comes up, they're not going to do it alone. They're going to lean into their values and say, who else do we need to get involved to solve this? Um, and so, you know, and, and there are lots of routes to solutions and no one perfect route. And I, I think in a Google world or maybe a chat GPT world, we kind of assume there's a solution. You know, there's an answer on the other end, but that's not what work is like, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes, I was just reading that. Um, again, a little feedback here, but I'll, I'll wait just a second. It usually clears up. I I was just reading something about that the other day. It says one of the best ways to solve a problem is to realize that the solution is not there when the problem happens, and you need to reflect. Wait, you know, you know, uh, you know. Um, do what you need to do to make sure the problem isn't making it causing any more damage, but wait, cause that solution is not there. It takes that reflection and a different perspective to actually come up with the solutions. And it's so cool that you said that. 
Yeah, no, that's a great point. And often we we resist putting our foot on the next rock toward uh, you know a, away from what's happening and towards something because we don't know what that something is. We don't know what that future is. Mm-hmm. It it's like you know for folks who maybe uh, maybe they're ready to exit their business, but they don't know what they're going to do next. So they just stay on and they stay mm-hmm. on. And if they're ready to hand over the reins to somebody else or they step out of a owner role or a leadership role. And so, you know, these things, getting the clarity is such an anchor to help you make a better decision. You may, the, the other side of the creek may not be totally clear, but starting to put your foot on the one rock that's in front of you then allows you to make the choice as to what the next rock, next rock is and the next rock. And it's not going to be a straight line. It's all a zigzag, but there's, you know, only, only, you know, a million solutions to every problem. It's just, what's the path you're going to take? Yes. Yes. And that is so difficult for, for business leaders and business owners in the, in the exit. It's a huge, mm-hmm. huge decision because often very, very life-changing decision. But uh, when you can, take the time and you see people that take the time, put the work in, it takes work to really think about what it's going to be like and what they really want to be doing because there are different productive, you know, what, whatever really exciting things that they can be doing uh, beyond what they're doing now. Uh, it's fun watching people's mind expand as they, they really contemplate what they're going to be doing. Yeah. And I think another part of that, and back to what I you know, would like more leaders to recognize and know is there's a part as to where I have to just trust that there everything isn't going to be perfect. And that's okay. Right. I, I you know, I I have, have talked to founders before who really want to move on. There's something else they could move on to, but the risk feels too big to mm-hmm. leave because the trust isn't fully there. Even if even when you dig into it, they're like, no, this person is totally ready and this process is super clean and the customer base is there. But, you know, there is, you know, it's how do we trust things to let it go? It's the analogy of the, the trapeze, right? You can't grab onto that next trapeze until you let go of mm-hmm. the one behind it. Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. So as you're as you're moving forward now, Darcy, what are you most excited about in 2023? Uh, let's see. Um, I have some amazing companies that we are doing ongoing leadership roundtables with. You know, I mm-hmm. think a lot of people in the last several years have uh, obviously some some companies have been forced to not be able to have more connection, but that's such an important part of what people want in their life at work. They, they Mm -hmm. want to feel belonging. They want to feel connection. Um, And so creating more opportunities for people to, I call creating collisions, you know, where across functions in a company that leaders are able to get together and it has structure and it's, you know, Mm -hmm. efficient use of time, but it's also as much for them as it's for the growth of the company. So I'm excited about some of those projects that come my way. And uh, I am uh, working on uh, an article for Harvard Business Review and working on possible TEDx talk. Uh, And so, you know, those are those things that are aspirational for me um, and just, you know, have to keep at it and and, 
they're always fun and and so yeah oh that's awesome darcy and it's 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 incredible being able to talk to you and and learn more about how you're helping leaders you know in their development and how they can create environments that that really enhance employee retention and just thankful that we could talk with you today Oh, well, I'm so grateful for the invitation. Thank you for all you do for your clients, your people, and, you know, the businesses that you're working with every day. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Darcy, thanks for being here. And everyone else that's been here listening, just let us know if you got any questions. Go back to the beginning of this and listen to Darcy. I mean, there was a lot of golden nuggets that she dropped there and all throughout. And if you need to reach out to Darcy, what's the best place to get a hold of you? Uh, there are lots of resources at redcaperevolution.com, and I have a weekly newsletter that you can sign up for at redcapeinsider.com, or you can go on my website, it's Join My Insider Community. And that's a great way to keep in touch. Very good. Very good. Well, Darcy, thanks again for being here, and we'll be back again next week. Hang out just a moment.